much. All right. All right, good to see you guys. Okay, so get your bulletins out. And if it is your first time, welcome. Um, I'm Pastor Josh. All right, get your bulletins out. You're actually going to get two messages today. Okay, you ready? Get your notes out. We're going to write these things down. Okay, today we're, this is our, our second sermon on a series on God's infinite love. And what I feel strongly called to is just to, to focus on not necessarily ourselves, but just how amazing God is, how infinite he is, just to be captivated by who he is and what he, what he does, all of his different names, all of his different attributes, all of the millions of thoughts that he has for us. It's, it's mind-boggling. So we're just, I mean, we're not, it's not even scratching the surface what we're doing. It's not even the tip of the iceberg. But this is what I, I think that we need to be focusing on. All right, so God's infinite love. Okay, here you go. Here's your notes. His infinite love heals. Psalms 147. He heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. Number two. His infinite love delivers. Did anybody experience that this weekend? Yeah. So now you understand it. I could preach it, but you wouldn't get it. His infinite love delivers. Psalms uh, 34, 19. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Delivers them, right? Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Okay, many are the afflictions of the righteous. So even the righteous need to be delivered. Did you have that experience this week, right? I mean, I did. I got, I got delivered. Maybe I got saved again. I don't know. <laughs> I got saved every day, I think. A um, little snippet before this verse is it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, that means you have to experience it. I can't preach it. I can't teach it. You have to taste and you have to see that the Lord is good. It's experiential. All right. He delivers. His, his infinite love gives wisdom and understanding. Psalms 147. Count the number of the stars. He gives names to them all. Great is our Lord and abundant in strength. His understanding is infinite. That's, that's mind-boggling. His understanding is infinite. And we, get, we have the opportunity to tap into his wisdom and his understanding, especially when we mingle with the Holy Spirit, who is wisdom. Romans eleven thirty three. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of his wisdom and his knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. Next one. His infinite love gives us hope and direction. Hebrews, uh, let's see, I'm going to skip most of it. Hebrews 6, 13. Uh, how much did I do? I'll do the whole thing. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. 
People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the hearers of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. That's important. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of this hope, did you catch that? To take hold of this hope. Hope is an anchor to the soul. I think that's part of this verse here. To set before us many great encourage, uh, set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. So the God's promises for your life. If you're part of the, the conference this week, God's prophetic word to you is your hope. It is an anchor to your soul. It's a, it's, a, it's a life preserver for your emotions. It keeps you from wanting to give up. Firm and secure. It enters in the sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. He's become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So our hope, this, this promise says that we get to go behind the curtain because the high priest is letting us in. Jesus, in the order of Melchizedek. All right. How to know his infinite love. These are next little fill-ins here. One, you gotta spend time with God. Like, you have to talk to him as much as you possibly can. Now, even if it's a superficial communication, that's okay. If you're texting God, that's okay. Maybe you want to up your communication level a little bit and you want to email God, you can email God. That's okay, too. If you want to get God on the phone, you can call him up. It's better to have a sit-down with Jesus, have a little face-to-face, if you really want to communicate what's in your heart. Then we just need to experience and we need to have an encounter with him. That's what we got to do this weekend. The point is, just keep in communication. Like, speak to him as much as you possibly can, no matter what form of communication you choose. Obviously, you want the higher form of communication. Here's the thing. Don't trick yourself thinking that just because you gave God a text, meaning that, 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 that therefore you're intimate with him. You're not. If your kids send you a text, are you intimate with your kids? No. If that's like, is about as romantic as you get with your wife, is, is texting back and forth, guess what? <laughs> you haven't encountered your wife. Number two, give thanks. Like, there's this, this, there is this secret of this thankful heart. Well, that's another message altogether. Have faith. So, next one, you got to have faith in order to, to continue to increase in, in, in this. That, that's kind of the whole point of this message is. Faith is, all right, I don't have control, and I do have a promise, or I have been given a prophetic word, but I don't have all the answers. The prophetic word does not replace us walking in faith. It gives us a hope to keep going, but we're still required to walk in faith. And actually, if we latch on and if we adopt the, you know, these words that are spoken into our life that give us life, we're actually required to go up to a next level. So he's going to push you up a little bit higher. 
So faith is always part of the game. Just because God's given you a glimpse of your future and you feel secure, um, well, if you feel secure, you're just not in the right place. Faith is where God wants us because faith is what make God, it makes God happy. All right, and then number four, last one here, how to know his infinite love. You've got to force yourself to change through empowering grace. Okay, I'm going to say it again. You've got to force yourself to change through his empowering grace. So what you got is you've got your will and you've got his grace. I don't know how this all flushes out, but you've got to mix them together. You cannot do anything within your own will and your own power. It's completely impossible to do. So somehow your soul needs to attach to his will and his empowering grace. Not his salvation grace, but his empowering grace. And you have to, you have to choose and then act and then embrace his empowering grace in your life. He won't just force you to do something. I mean, unless you're a Calvinist. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> myself in trouble again. I told myself I wasn't going to make fun of other churches anymore or other doctrines anymore. I, I told myself I was going to do that, but I can't help myself. All right. Here's, here's, this is how I see it. Um, your, your loving heavenly father will violate your free will and pull you out of a, out of a burning car. He's that good of a father. Like if my child was run and my child has like ran into the street, right? Can I get an amen? And I love my girl. I love my girl so much. So yeah, I'm going to violate her free will. I'm going to grab her hair. I'm going to yank her out of the street, right? And it's going to hurt like Hades, and she's going to cry. But I saved my child's life. And your loving heavenly Father will do that to you too. But as we begin to grow and as we begin to um, be discipled and we begin to get these spiritual gifts into our into our heart and into our life and as we begin to think with the transformed mind, uh, we grow up, we, we grow up, uh, hopefully we mature. Hopefully you guys are no longer a six-year-old girl with a ponytail. What I'm saying is at some point you need to mature into a, a space where you have enough spiritual common sense not to play in the street. Does that make sense? So that's when, you, that's when you evolve from being a Calvinist into, sorry. You see, see what I'm saying? I'm sorry. Do you know what a Calvinist is? No. It means you don't, never mind. Look it up. <laughs> Google it. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. Uh, that's message number one. You get, two, you get a two for today. That's sermon number one. Everybody stand up. Stand up, stretch your, yeah, stretch it out. <laughs> Greet your neighbor next to you. Happy Sunday. Good morning. All right, have a seat. You don't have to come to church next week because you got, you got, you got two messages today. All right, get your Bibles and turn with me to Genesis. Chapter 28, verse 10. 
Okay, so last week we looked at Abraham. And what did Abraham get? He got, man, he got a lot, right? He's the man of faith. It was his faith that, that, that caught God's attention. And, and he was able and willing to move. Like he, Abraham was like, all right, I, I can take some risk. That, that's why God was so happy and pleased with Abraham. Abraham took some major risks, right? And Abraham has like this, for lack of a better term, this evolution of faith where he actually gets promises and, and they're revealed to him on different levels. Like he gets, he gets the vision of, of the sand, but see, God's love is infinite and we can actually count the numbers of sand on this planet. I wouldn't want to do it, but it can be done, right? There, you could do it. But see, that wasn't good enough for God. So I, I haven't figured this out. I mean, like if you really like to study stuff, maybe you can help me out here, do a little bit of research. But see, God gives Abraham an open vision of the universe at the daytime. So when I went into the study, I thought that you know, Abraham was sitting under the stars. And God says, isn't that amazing, all these stars? You can't count them. It's infinite. But see, the, the vision happened during the day. So he got an open vision of the universe when, when there was only the sun in the sky. Isn't that cool? I don't know what it means. Maybe do some research. Help me out. I just think it's cool. And then to the, the crescendo of the whole thing is that he's in the Valley of the Kings. He's, he's, he's got this choice between uh, the, kingdom, the king of Sodom, right? Am I going to go in relationship with the king of Sodom, or am I going to go into relationship with Mechizedek, this priest king? And then he, he sacrifices. Doesn't know this guy, doesn't understand the, who, what he is, but immediately there's something about Melchizedek. He says, I will eat this bread that Melchizedek is giving me, and I'm going to drink this wine that Melchizedek is giving me. And I'm going to give him 10% of everything I have. He immediately sacrifices it. It captures his heart. And this attitude of, of a father, it gets passed down from generation to generation. And now we're going to be talking about the character of Jacob. And Jacob actually takes hold of his inheritance in this sense. He acts like his, dad, his grandfather. So we have Abraham, Isaac, we're skipping Isaac, and we're going straight to Jacob. All right, so here we go. Um, uh, do you have, you have people in the Bible that you can identify with, that you like, that you empathize with, right? Everybody likes David, right? Everybody likes Peter. I don't like Jacob. I mean, there's just nothing, there's just not a whole lot that I like about this guy. He's like this sneaky, conniving, whiny little mama's boy. I identify with his brother Esau, who's got back hair and, and, and is kind of rough and stuff. That's who I identify with. But Jacob, I mean, I just, there's something I just don't like about this guy. He does something that Esau doesn't do. He connects with his inheritance. He, he identifies that there is a promise, right? He, he, he identifies that there's a promise. 
that, that, that dad had and that grandfather had, and now I'm going to go get it. Okay, character issues and all, right? And, and okay, you know the story. Um, he steals his brother's birthright. So he steals his brother's inheritance. You know, the, the, the story is, is that, of course, Esau is weak and, and sells it out. He doesn't value his inheritance. So, so Jacob steals it. And Jacob's about to get beat up. I would stand in line. I would be, I'd be in line to, to beat this guy up, right? And he runs. All right, here's the, here's, this is what I want to get to. Uh, chapter 28, verse 10, Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord. That's a big deal, folks. So he's, he's actually got a vision of God standing. And he said to him, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the, the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. When Jacob awoke from this sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. You ever had that experience? All right. If you went to the conference, actually, I fielded a couple of these because like, the presence of God was, was really palpable and tangible. Like, and people were, were being touched, right? Crying and laughing and it's cool. Hmm? But there's a few people that are frustrated. I don't see anything. I don't feel anything. It's okay. Hmm? It's okay to... You know, it's not that God doesn't love you less. I don't know, maybe you just weren't aware of it, right? Jacob had this problem. God is in this place, and I was not aware of it. And that, that's, that is completely okay. I've had those experiences where I, I, I don't feel anything, I don't see anything, I don't hear anything from God. It's like, man, my, my, my prayer life during the week was a lot better than this meeting. What's going on? I, this is not, I guess they don't, I guess it's all fake, right? So if I don't feel it, then it must not be true. If you ever, okay, this is, just, this is kind of a side note, but if you ever find yourself in that situation where everybody's experiencing God except for you, this is what you do. You rejoice in the fact that the, your brothers and sisters are encountering God. That's a game changer, folks. 
if you can be happy with somebody else getting blessed, just, just rest there. I don't even want to tell you what will happen next. I'm not going to tell you what will happen next. Just take your attention off of yourself and rejoice in the fact that other people are being delivered, other people are being healed, other people are being touched, other people are getting words of knowledge, other people are getting prophetic words spoken over them. You rejoice in those things. It's a game changer. Just take your attention off of yourself because God's doing a work in the other people. God is in the building. You're just not aware of it. That makes sense? All right. How awesome is this place, Jacob says. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Okay, underline gate of heaven. Think of John 15. See, he doesn't, Jesus isn't in the picture yet. You guys know that, right? This is Old Testament. And he's getting, he's getting revelation of who Jesus is. We're going to see that even fleshed out a little bit more later. So this is the gate of heaven. What does Jesus say about himself? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the way. I am the road. And I am the gate. Early next morning, Jacob took the stone he placed under his head, and he set it up as a pillar, poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, Beth-el, which literally translates into house God. El is God, Beth-el. I was there once, not the place up in Reading, the real place. I was in Bethel, I don't know, I don't want to say what year it was, but I was there. And so this is, this is the vision that Jacob gets. He, gets. he gets Jacob's, they call it Jacob's ladder, Right? And if you watch the Bugs Bunny cartoons, it's the escalator thing with the angels going up and down on the escalator. Remember this? How many, how many people remember Bugs Bunny? Come on. I know, just the old folks. But, right? So, I don't know. Bugs Bunny gets hit in the head and he gets these you know, angels going up and down, right? You see, he get, Jacob, it's, he's a lot like his dad. He gets his, he, God says, okay, um, your descendants are going to number the sands of the earth, but I'm going to give you a vision of heaven, which is more. Right? Isn't that what we were praying last night? More, 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 more. I can count the numbers on the sand, but I can't fathom eternity. Heaven is too expansive for me to understand. So he gets, he gets the word of, the, sand, of the, the number of the sand, but he gets the vision of eternity. And the angels coming to earth and going, leaving from the earth. Now, the archaeologists say that, I don't know why we do this. So in Bethel, in the actual site, Tel Bethel, um, there, they have, there's a cistern, and it's a big, giant, round cistern. It either held, held water or grain, well, probably grain. And there's a little circular staircase that goes up the cistern. And they're like, oh, that was the inspiration for Jacob's ladder. So I don't know. Who knows? We don't know. The point is, I got at it and laid down. <laughs> I just thought it was cool. This is Jacob's ladder. I'm going to go lay in the cistern. And then I got ran out by the security guard. So it's <laughs> happened quite a bit in my life. Um, he gets this vision of heaven. 
sacrifices 10% of everything he's got. And interesting thing, he doesn't have anything. And the dude's broke. He's got nothing. He's dest- you know, he's, got a, he's got a rock for a pillow. The guy doesn't even have a, a, a backpack to roll up under his head. At least I had one of those. He's got nothing. And it wasn't until he committed to giving with nothing that God bless him. Do you know the rest of the story? The dude gets rich. The dude gets filthy rich. All right. He was kind of a, uh, never mind. Then Jacob said, I made a vow. If God will be with me and watch over me and be on this journey that I am taking, I will give him food and give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house. Then the Lord will be my God and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all of you give me, excuse me, and all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. All right, and then he takes off. Okay, then, okay, I don't have time to get into, okay, so he goes to, he goes to this guy Laban's house, and uh, he ends up with two wives and two concubines, really complicated stuff. A lot of goats involved, spots and things. Okay, that's not the point. It's complicated. Read this story. I mean, you thought having one wife was complicated. I, I don't really, I don't, I don't get the polygamous thing. I don't think it's, anyway, okay, leave it alone, Josh. All right, so um, he ends up with two wives, two concubines, lots of goats, lots of camels, lots of donkeys, lots of cows, lots of bulls. The dude's rich. So, again, back to his character, he sneaks off. He, he's, he's running from Laban's house. He's, he, he's, he's, he's done, right? So he's going to, basically, he's kind of stealing again. Interesting point. Uh, so one of his wives is Rachel, right? She steals her dad's gods. She hides them. Interesting. Just a little sub-point. Sins of the father. So she carries the sins of the father. It's never resolved, by the way. They never resolve it. It just gets fleshed out and into the sin pattern that we see. He's going to go home because he knows that he's got to go home. He's got to go, go back to what God's promised him. So he's going to go back to the promised land. And on the way back, He's like, oh my gosh, my, my brother hates my stinking guts. He's going to kill me. Rightfully so, right? Esau's going to kill him. And so he's freaking out. You know, he's, he's lived life. He's done some amazing things. He's been faithful to God. He's made, he's made bad character decisions. He's, li- he's, he's done what we've done. And now it's, it's, it's everything is coming to the head. The good, the bad, the ugly, and... And he's going to meet his brother in the field. Like Abraham met, you know, Sodom and Melchizedek in the Valley of the Kings. It's the same type of thing. He's going to meet his brother in the field. Cr- 
crosses the river, and he's like, all right, I gotta, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to split my forces because if, if Esau, if he kills one half, then at least maybe, maybe some people can survive and they can run off. And, 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 you know, okay, basically the end of the story is they reconcile, and it's a very powerful movement, but that's not what I want to get to. I want to get to Jacob gets alone with God. Here we go. You ready? All right, sorry. Okay, here we go. Uh, 32, verse 22. That night, Jacob got up, took his two wives, his two maidservants, and his 11 sons. It's complicated. Crossed the ford to the Jabbok. That's a river. So if you're ever, like, writing science fiction novels or something like that, and you need some inspiration for some, good, some cool space names, Jabbok is a good one. Indoor. All right. That night, Jacob got up and took it. Okay, okay. After that, he had sent them across the stream. He sent over all of his possessions so that Jacob was left alone. A man wrestled with him till daybreak. In the night, Jacob goes into this wrestling match with some mysterious guy. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let go of me, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let go of you until you bless me. The man asked, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. And the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you are struggling with God and with men and overcome. Jacob says, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Penel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. I thought, I thought, I thought Jacob was winning the wrestling match here. He's not. The sun rose above him, and as he passed Penel, he, uh, and as he was uh, limping because of his hip, therefore to this day the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. All right, what is this all about? Have you ever wrestled with God? It's okay to wrestle with God. And wrestling with God happens in the dark nights of the soul. And you can even identify with your promise. You can identify with, you can have this incredible communication with God. But, that, but just because, the, you, can be, you can be faithful with the tithe. But just because you do that, it does not mean that, that, that you are disqualified from the dark nights of the soul where you wrestle with God. Those will happen. But this is what I want you to get. If you've sacrificed, if you have been captured, 
baptized by this love, if you've met Mechizeldek in the, in the Valley of the Kings, ate his bread, drank his wine, you say, yeah, it's all yours. If you can do that, then you have the right to say, I'm not going to let go of you until you bless me. See, this is, this, is, this, is the part of, of, this is part of Jacob's character that I don't like, but we all have to have it. You bless me, God. I have every right to ask for you to bless me, and he does. He has every right to say, bless me. I'm not going to let go of you until you bless me. He does. God blesses him. I mean, okay, so they wrestle all night long, Right? And all God does is he, he touches his hip, and his hip blows out of the socket. Have you ever had that happen? Oh, my gosh, it hurts. I mean, it hurts like a banshee. This is the strongest muscle in your body. This is, the, this is your strength. This is, the, this is as strong as it gets. And, and all that the Lord did is touched it. Okay, do you know, you know who this is? He was wrestling with the angel of the Lord. So his, his grand, Grandpa had the, the experience with Melchizedek in the valley, Jacob has this encounter with Jesus in the night, in the darkness. It's where, it's where he's wrestling with him. All right. Where's my Hebrews verse? Did I leave it over there? Yeah, there it is. Hebrews 4.16. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in times of need. That's a New American Standard Version. King James. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy Find grace to help in time of need. All right. Jacob has, for lack of a better term, Jacob has purchased the right to go boldly into God's presence and say, bless me. He sacrificed. But this term boldly, it, it, it doesn't get translated real well to Okay, you might think that, okay, I'm going to boldly go into God's presence. I'm going, to be, I'm going to be a confident young man. I'm going to boldly go into God's presence. Um, the, the, the Hebrew definition of this word bold is, is brassy. It's almost like a cocky arrogance. It's the same, oh man, I shouldn't, should I do this? All right, let's do it. Uh, it's the same word that they use to describe prostitutes that are soliciting customers on the street. We have that attitude and that position of the heart to boldly go into God's presence and say, bless me. <laughs> I don't like the character of Jacob, but I have to take his attitude towards this. You can't buy God's favors, right? Just, I mean, just get that clear, right? You guys know this, right? You can't buy God's favor. It's impossible to do, but it isn't... It isn't Attitude and it is a condition of the heart. 
Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, God, they all sacrifice. Last night, while Jake was, while he was doing his thing, um, he made a call for people to give up their addictions to pornography. Powerful, right? Last Sunday, at Tess Batten's birthday party, at pastor's house, uh, we, have a, we have a friend of the house, uh, Kelvin Moore, he's a pastor at Loveland Church. Um, he's a great, he's just an amazing guy, right? He's helped us ship containers over to Africa, and um, he would come here, but we're just too white. He's just an amazing guy. And he, so he's given me this, so he's, they're doing outreach in San Bernardino. San Bernardino, the city of San Bernardino is a hot mess. Can I get an amen? Amen and amen. San Bernardino, I mean, Look, if you can't go to Africa, go to San Bernardino. It is a hot mess, folks. It's, in some cases, it's worse. So Calvin's telling me this story, and he says, okay, so we do this outreach, and, um, and like, like 50 young people come forward, and they sacrifice their addictions to pornography. All right, you want to know what my response was? My response was not, oh, that, that's amazing, Kelvin. Oh, that, that is so cool. God bless you, brother. You know what my response was? I want that. I want that in my house, right? I know, okay, I'm an only child. I, have, I know those are my issues, right? I don't know how to share, and I don't know how to play well with people. I don't. But that was not what was going on here. There was a, there was a, a holy disconnect. There was a righteous indignation where I want that in my church. And I declared that. Hmm? I spoke it. I want that in my church. You know what this, folks? You know what that is? You know what it is? It's kids sacrificing their two to $500 smartphones that are now dumb phones. There's a, probably a $2,000 laptop that a kid breaks open. I've seen a lot of beautiful things this week. This, is, this, this mess is the most gorgeous thing I've seen. And Jake, I'm going to commission you to make an art object out of this. And I'm going to curate it. I'm not an artist, I'm a curator. So I'll find a nice little place on the wall somewhere to hang it. This is the most beautiful thing I've seen. It's gorgeous. Boys and girls saying, I'm going to give you my porn addiction. 
What? This isn't in the, I don't know if this is in the Bible. Maybe I need to write another testament or something. Okay, I'll leave it like this. I know, I've been wanting to write the gospel according to Joshua Kapczynski, but it's just not. But me as a pastor or a, or a curator, somebody that, that is just, I love to see the beauty in your lives and I want to put it on display. Hmm? Um, okay, a couple of things happened after this. And I kind of knew it was going to happen. See, whenever somebody sacrifices, the enemy of God wants to rip it off. Now, friend of our house, doesn't go to our church, sweet lady, I love her to death, and one of her kids, um, it's, it's, you know, somebody that goes to her church, he came up, smashed his phone. And so she wanted a piece of it. So I think it was that piece, and she, she got it, and... Uh, You know, I don't, she wanted, I don't know, she wanted it as a memento. I said, you can't have it. She got offended. It's okay, I'll do that to people. I said, no, you can't have it. It's ours. He, uh, he sacrificed it on our altar. You don't have permission to take it off the altar. Oh, but I worked so hard with this kid. I was like, I'm sorry, I don't care. You don't have the permission to take it off the altar. It's ours. We paid for it. This is why we need pastors. Another kid comes up here, and he's rifling through the rubbage. This happened. i got to make this a teaching point, folks. Another kid's rifling through this, one of our kids, rifling through the rubbage. Like, what you doing? It's like, oh, I'm going to get these pieces back so I, can, so I can get a rebate and get a new phone. <laughs> right? No, 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 no. You can't. You, you can't take your sacrifice off the altar. You need to leave it here. Next time you kill it, you make sure it doesn't crawl off. Okay, think about this. How many times have we sacrificed to the Lord and we let the sacrifice crawl off the altar? That's the part I'd like to add in the Bible. Is it in there anywhere? Okay. See, if it doesn't cost you anything, you're not going to value it. That's the message. All right. Uh, Ryan and you guys come up, and we're going to close up. Jake, can you come on up? I'll have Jake receive the offering, and he can. You've got five minutes. Oh, one more thing, too. Um, she doesn't want me to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Because it's so important. That, okay, this, the prophetic conference, it feels like we have a brand new church. And... There was a word, it was probably a year, Sasha, I'm sorry, I'm going to embarrass you, you're just going to have to get over it. 
It was probably a year ago. Was it a year ago? Two years ago. About a year and a half ago, huh? And so Jake gives Sasha a prophetic word that says that you will be a leader of leaders. And earlier this, last year, Sasha comes into my office crying. Say, I've got this burning in my heart. I don't know what it means, but I have to do it. And I, everybody worked their tails off for this conference. Blood, sweat, tears, lack of sleep. I mean, we, we worked our tails off. Uh, Larry McGarity was here till 10.30 last night resetting the stage. And that man works like a, he works a lot. Sacrifice. So she comes in, um, not with a say, you know, I think we should do this. And, and Pastor Josh, I think you should do this. She came in with a heart that was willing to sacrifice, and she did. She gave time, energy, money. She, she, she put all of her energy into this. And see, um, as a, I, can, I can, oh my gosh, I can work with that. I saw the beauty that was in her life. And here's the, here's the truth of it. The word that was spoken over her was that she will be a leader of leaders. And she led me well. Hmm? Does that make sense? She led me well. So I'm going to honor her today. <laughs> Hello. Uh, Sasha does rule, and she deserves a lot. Uh, it takes a lot to lead other leaders. <laughs> Anybody can really lead people who just want to be followers, you know? But then there's people who stand up and they're not afraid to take criticism or do the hard thing. And I think, Sasha, you did more than just lead a conference. You led a reformation, you know? And I think in the, the heart of specifically, I just, in specifically even in this church, you know, you were a part of reforming, you know, so much. Really, it's a lot of actually just your history, you know? You got, I told you the very first time I ever stepped in this building, that well is just, there's a well that people are gonna drink from, you know, from this place. And it's from your life and from what you were a part of and led and fought for. And a whole new generation is coming now. And it's gonna be marked specifically with young people. And they're gonna be a hot mess. They're gonna wear hats in service. <laughs> And they're gonna have tattoos and, and not know how to dress appropriately to take an offering. And uh, the point is, we've all been there. I was actually a little late this morning because we were having a conversation with our drummer. And it is so different when a person knows truth and then encounters truth. And I think that's all anybody wants, especially in this church and in this city. There's, you know, a bunch of schools down the road preaching truth. But we actually know truth. We actually know truth. He's a man, and his name is Jesus. And I think that's the beautiful part of what was led this weekend and what happened. And we've seen 
thousands of people get delivered from pornography all over the world. Literally, I mean, we had a, and it's super offensive, which is awesome. I had a pastor come to me one time and say, that was really great that you did that altar call for pornography. People really needed to get free. But a couple of our leaders came forward, and we just don't think you should ask leaders to come forward because if leaders come forward, then they won't, like the church won't trust them anymore. And I said, you clearly don't know what trust means. <laughs> I said, trust, trust means that you know exactly what's happening in me so that you can trust me to let me know what's exactly happening in you so that we can work together and grow, you know? And that's the beautiful part of stuff like this. And I love it with, uh, David says it, it's, it's in, David says, I will never offer the Lord something that costs me nothing. And we keep coming to church and coming to church. It doesn't cost anything to sit in the seat. But it takes a lot to say, this is really where I'm at. And I don't want to be here next week when I show up again. I don't want to walk week to week being in the same place. You know, like I want to grow. I want to move glory to glory. I want to move treasure to treasure. Revelation to revelation. Not just experience to experience. I just want to grow on the inside. Come on. And it's just so much fun. And I think your living sacrifice is Romans 12. Therefore, offer, therefore, offer a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is our spiritual act of worship. We are the living sacrifice, and we do get off the altar pretty often, you know? So with that, um, if you liked this weekend, we're starting uh, something new uh, next week called First Sundays. So the first Sunday of every month, we're going to do a service at 6 p.m., and the goal will be to basically catapult us from what we experienced this weekend and continue it every single month and say, let's just keep moving forward. Because you guys, if we don't, if we don't keep the ground, you know what I'm saying? There's a part of where we have to keep the ground. If you move forward, keep the ground. And we have to do it together. So we're going to prophesy and we're going to train and we're going to equip and it's going to be a part of making sure we as a body know how to do this stuff because you will live 95% of your life outside of rooms like this and if we can't take what we experience here and take it out there then it's not worth a whole lot not just to the world but I believe to Christ as well and so with that said um, we're going to take our offering go ahead and get your uh, offering get your envelopes out get your money out empty your wallets and all of your pockets and whichever has the largest amount of money in it you write that number on here fill that part out I honestly love taking offerings, so it's great. I gave announcements last week, and I'm taking an offering this week. I'm like an official church member. It's great. I will be, by the way, so I am actually like, this is, this is our church. This is me and my family's church. So this is where we live around the corner, so it, it makes total sense. And we think Josh and Mako are awesome. So we are, so... And I, is I, I don't know if it's, I don't think it's coincidence that right before we were like, yeah, let's just go to Granite Creek. Let's just go there. That's going to be our church. Right before that, like right in the same season as the prophetic conference. I don't think that's coincidence. I think that's God. <laughs> and so um, go ahead and fill this out if you haven't. I, I just want us to get radically blessed. We were talking about it this morning with, uh, with our drummer and my wife. You guys, there are principles in the Bible that are true whether or not you're a Christian. 
and the Proverbs is one of them, and a reality about generosity reaping uh, a harvest financially is just true. It is a principle. It's why you've got Bill Gates and guys like that who are giving away thousands and millions of dollars because there is a biblical principle to sowing and reaping. And we have got to learn that when we sow, if you need a breakthrough financially this morning, the best way to get it is to sow. If you have $5,000 worth of bills and $500 inside your bank account, what is the smartest thing you could do with that $500? Sow it into the ground. Because you guys, if you want more apples, you have to sow apple seeds. Right? You don't... (laughs) You can eat the apple, but you got to plant the seeds if you want to reap a harvest. Because from one apple, you can get thousands of seeds and thousands of apples. One seed can produce thousands of apples. And I feel like God's just reminding us this morning to sow so that we could reap a harvest. So can you just put your offerings in the air just right now? We're just going to lift them in the air as an offering, and I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray that your offering would be multiplied right now in Jesus' name. I ask that every dollar, every dime, every cent, there is no amount too little to sow into the kingdom of God. God touches it all. He loves the widow's might, and he loves the, the millionaire's millions. He loves it all when it's given from a heart who wants to sow generously and reap reap harvest to be a benefit to the kingdom of God. So we ask right now, God, that every cent and dollar is multiplied in Jesus' name for your glory, for your kingdom. And I ask for a release of dreams and inventions and innovations. God, dreams that have been laid dormant would be resurrected in this offering. Business ideas, business uh, business strategies, God, job opportunities would open up in the midst of this offering. And all those who agreed said, amen and amen.